Congratulations to all the graduates. Now what? Coming up, money tips for new graduates and anyone else who's starting out. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Financial Wizard Podcast. This is personal finance in plain English for the rest of us. Join us each week as together we demystify money. And now, here's your host, Eric Henning. Welcome back. Well, you've graduated. Congratulations. You've just gotten out of high school. Why am I talking about this? Well, high school graduations are about to happen. College graduations, for the most part, in the United States are, are done. Uh, and we'll be talking about college grads in a little while, too. But um, I got a, a message from a listener last week who said, uh, you know, I'm 18 years old. I really want to learn how to handle money and I hope you can help me. Well, I'm going to try it at my best. We're not going to do it all in one episode. First thing I'm going to recommend is that you do listen to all of the back episodes here in the archived episodes on Apple Podcast or Anchor.fm or wherever you are, uh, at least until we can get the book done. And, and the book is coming, trust me. Uh, it'll be here probably in the next year or so. But uh, in the meantime, you have the podcast. I'm going to give you the bird's eye view, the big picture. We're going to step back, go up in the drone and look at the landscape for a high school graduate. Okay. There are some skills you need to have, and there's some perspective that you need to have. Okay. So let's start out with a little perspective. First of all, it's okay not to go to college and it's okay not to go to college right away. Now I know that in our society, a college degree is seen as the way to be successful. And uh, for a good part of the post-World War II era in America, uh, the correlation between being in the middle class was people who did three things, who got married before they had children, who had a college degree, and owned a home. Those were the three big correlative factors, the things that, that seemed to happen at the same time as somebody being well-off, being in the middle class. But times are changing. Some things are happening. Uh, a lot of jobs are being outsourced. And a lot of the, the actual financial return of a college degree is plummeting. College costs have risen several times, you know, many, many times faster than the cost of living. You've got uh, a situation where people are coming out with crippling amounts of student debt, uh, where they just can't get ahead financially. They're they're behind the eight ball. They're in a hole right out of the box. Let me see how many other cliches I can throw in there. And, um, and so a lot of people are questioning the value of a college degree, particularly when there are um, high-tech jobs and trade jobs uh, that are really well-paying, that are going unfilled. Uh, NPR just came out with um, uh, an article about this uh, about a month ago. Good job, NPR. You're only about 10 years behind Mike Rowe, the host of Dirty Jobs, who's been saying for years that our culture devalues uh, trade jobs, um, skilled labor jobs. And as a result, huh, guess how many jobs are sitting out there? You might think that if there's a certain amount of unemployment, you might think that if there's, you know, 12 million people unemployed, that that, you know, that means there aren't enough jobs. Well, that would be wrong there's actually less of a correlation between unemployment and job availability than you might think. It's more of a mismatch, all right? 
There are some 30 million jobs in the United States. Three zero, that's almost one for every 10 people. All right? <laughs> Not counting children in the elderly. One for almost every 10 people. There's 30 million jobs in the United States that pay an average of $55,000 a year that don't require bachelor degrees. Okay, let me repeat that. The first number, 30 million. There are only about 330 million people in the United States. So one out of every 11 people, there's a job waiting for you if you want to get trained properly. Okay. And the college degree is not only not required, it may not help you that much. But the middle number is the one I want to focus on. The They average a salary or an income of $55,000 per year. That's average. That means about half of them pay more than that. Wow. So, you know, uh, there's a choice there. There's a choice there, depending on your aptitude and what you're good at. You know, why should somebody who is really good with their hands and really good at fixing things, why should they, you know, be forced to sit in a classroom and read Beowulf when they can go out and apprentice as a, a plumber or an electrician or a steam fitter and end up with a job where they're making, you know, 60, 70 bucks an hour and with no debt? That's not bad. And I know this from experience. Let me explain. I went from the conventional path. My parents went through college and uh, they were not the first in their families to go to college. They were second generation college graduates. So we're kind of in the upper middle class territory, almost society when it came to my dad's family in, in Baton Rouge. Um, and my dad had a master's degree and uh, my mom had a bachelor's and they were both military officers. So far, so what? Well, the expectation was that we would, the kids would go to college as well. And the three of us, my brother, my sister, and I took completely different paths. I did the conventional thing. I went to a four-year liberal arts school, got a degree in theater, uh, ended up spending 25 years as a stockbroker and investment advisor, and then retired as a partner in a money management firm. It's, you know, typical story, right? And then, you know, became a full-time professional magician and speaker, and now I'm doing this. Well, and I'm still doing the magic, by the way. But uh, that was the more conventional path. All right. Uh, now, my my sister got an associate's degree in art. She's a tremendous artist. Um, she has been a professional tattoo artist, an award-winning tattoo artist. She does scientific illustration. She's a genius. If you've been around the Twitter phenomenon known as March Mammal Madness, which is largely science teachers doing a promotion for education simultaneous with the college basketball tournament, uh, you've seen her work. It's spectacular. Uh, I, I I can uh, rave on about it because I have zero artistic talent in terms of drawing or anything like that. That's just, this seems like magic to me. But she got her associate's degree. And then when she was in her 30s, she went back to school and finished her bachelor's. Again, that's a legitimate path. Nothing wrong with that. Plenty of people do that. They get a two-year community college degree. Then they go back and finish up sometimes decades later. Nothing wrong with that. We see that with professional athletes all the time. They do a year or two of college, and then they get have a career-ending in injury, go back to school, and we don't hear about it too much. We should more, but a lot of these folks do that. Personally, I would love to see whenever LeBron James retires, and we hope that's not anytime soon, but whenever he retires, I'm guessing that his son will be about college age. Wouldn't that be cool to see them both going to college together? That would be nifty. And by the way, he still has all of his college eligibility. That would be strange. Anyway... 
Oh, I guess he doesn't because he's a pro now, but you know, who knows by then. Anyway, my brother took a completely different path. My brother uh, took, I think, a semester of community college, never got a degree, not even a practical engineering certificate, yet he is one of the top experts in the world on robotics and power generation. And he's working on a breakthrough uh, in clean energy systems that uh, has that NASA and other groups have expressed interest in. So again, college degree doesn't mean you're smart. Lack of a college degree doesn't mean you're stupid. It's just one of many paths. So I guess my point is take a little time. Who knows what they really want to do when they're 18? I mean, career-wise. Uh, and so take time. Don't be in a big hurry. Look around at the landscape. Maybe there is a, um, a trade that you can learn and or maybe there's something you can do. To, you can get a two-year degree. Maybe you get a nursing degree and, and work at that. And maybe go to college at night or on the weekends and finish up a four-year degree that way. Nobody ever died working their way through school. It is possible to go through college with very little debt. Now, if you're listening to this and you have a child or you are someone who is maybe just starting high school, um, you have another option available to you, which is the International Baccalaureate Program. That's the thing that you take a test for in the 10th grade. It's a very difficult test. And if you pass it, you're able to spend your junior and senior years of high school taking community college classes so that when you graduate from high school, you simultaneously get your associate's degree. You get a two-year college degree and you've done all of your basic requirements for college. And then you can transfer to a, two, to a four-year school and finish your bachelor's if you wish. The point is that it's almost like getting two years of college for free. I would recommend if you're a parent of a, some, a kid in middle school or a young high schooler, or if you're in that position yourself, um, if you're a high schooler and you're listening to this, good for you, um, then I would really recommend you find a school near you that participates, because they don't all participate in the um, International Baccalaureate Program. It's ibo.org, and we'll have a link in the show notes for that. If you're just graduating high school, there's nothing wrong with getting a job and spending part-time going to community college. Get those basic requirements out of the way. It's, it's very inexpensive, and it's almost like getting your college degree for half price. That's one way to get closer to that degree and not be so much in debt. And, I, and, and again, there's, there are plenty of local scholarship money. There's plenty of local scholarship money available. Uh, check out your police, your fire department, all the different groups you may have volunteered for in high school to get your community service hours, you know, all of those things apply for everything. So I guess my first thing for you is don't be in a hurry to jump into an expensive school and take on a bunch of debt. Stop. Think, is this trip necessary? When we come back, we'll talk about the money skills you're going to need as you go out on your own. I'm Eric Henning. You're listening to the Financial Wizard Podcast. Welcome back. I'm Eric Henning. Now, you've graduated and you're looking at the landscape. Maybe you're going to take a year off. Maybe you're going to go straight into community college or a four-year university. Uh, you've made those decisions or you're working on that. But in the meantime, what do you do? How do you learn how to handle money? How do you avoid the mistakes that maybe your older brothers or sisters or your parents or grandparents made? Well, I've got some great news for you. This is the perfect time 
to develop the good money habits that will serve you for a lifetime. And the first thing you want to do is learn how to spend less than you make. I'm going to give you the world's easiest financial plan. I've mentioned it before here, uh, but I really think that this is a great tool for somebody who's just starting out. Um, it's the easiest financial plan there is, okay? It's very simple. You're doing a job, you get paid, and you get that paycheck. And taxes have come out of it, and other things have come out of it, and it looks disturbingly small. I get that. So here's what you do. The first thing you do, you divide it up. You take 10% and you put it into savings. You get started in the habit of saving now. Get in the mindset that part of everything you earn is yours to keep and you need to set it aside. It's like seed corn for next year's planting. You need to, to have that emergency fund start putting away now. Start putting it away now because chances are uh, the car you're driving, it may not last all the way through your college years. <laughs> So, uh, you know, if you're like most of us, you didn't have rich parents that bought you the Porsche when you graduated from high school. So you probably probably are, are going to need to have money for car repairs. You're certainly going to need to have money for gas and insurance on the car and, and repairs. You know, plan that ahead. Get in that mindset of setting money aside. Take 10% and give it away or build up an account that you can use to give money to charities that you believe in. And again, I'm not going to tell you where to give your money. That's up to you. Um, I'm very encouraged to see the level of activism among young people today. Uh, I'm excited about how people want to make a difference in the world. And one of the ways you can do that, you, not all of us can travel to faraway places that need our help, but we can always send money there. And so there are wonderful organizations. Um, I'm sipping from a bottle of water here uh, from Humankind. Uh, Humankind is a charity that is trying to provide clean water all over the world. And that's just, and, and when you buy their bottled water and their iced tea products, 100% of the money that you pay goes to those charities. I'm working on trying to figure out that business model. I'm pretty sure it's grant money and donations that they're using to cover their hard costs. But my point is this, there are tons and tons of organizations uh, even among magicians, there's a company that's, that puts out a deck of cards. And when you buy the deck of cards, you're helping to pay, uh, helping to fund water projects in uh, places like Africa. So the point is that whatever you're passionate about, take 10% of everything you earn and give it away. And then take 80% and live on it. Plan your spending so that you can live on 80% of what you bring in. Now, again, if you're at home with your parents, that's going to be a lot easier. But you also want to be thinking ahead about when you're going to have to be paying rent, et cetera, et cetera. So that, I call it the 80-10-10 financial plan. You, you give away 10%, you save 10%, and you live on the other 80%. It's really the super, super easiest. Uh, well, okay, it's not easy. It's the simplest financial plan. It's simple, but it's not easy. It's simple, but it's not easy kind of like playing the guitar. Anybody can learn three chords and play by the campfire. Not everybody is going to be, you know, Mark Knopfler <laughs> or Jimmy Page, okay? So um, so, so there's a difference between kind of knowing what you're doing and mastering the instrument. And we want to get you started on the path to mastery. So the start is you start with savings and having that attitude and then planning ahead. 
you want to, and part of that is to have a spending plan. And we always, I talk about this all the time, the B word budget. It's like the word diet, you know, and when people hear budget, they think no more fun ever. But the fact of the matter is that a budget is just a spending plan. You're just planning your spending ahead of time. You're not just reacting to crises. You're not just putting out fires. You're not just saying, oh gosh, I need to eat lunch. I didn't plan ahead. So take the time to think about every week. And a week is a good unit to be thinking about it. Take some time uh, on a Sunday or at the beginning of the week, the end of the week, whatever it's easiest for you to sit down and go through your spending. And uh, we talked a long time ago in one of the early episodes about uh, writing down everything you spent. That's a great strategy to use to become aware of where the money's going, and it'll help you with your spending plan as well. So have this, this sort of simple financial plan do create a spending plan. I'll get, don't worry, I'll give you some tools on how to do that in a couple of minutes here in the final segment. We're going to have a bunch of apps for you that you're going to like. Um, learn how to spend. One of the best ways to learn how to spend is to learn how to uh, buy smart. Okay? Think about the things you want to buy and think about alternate ways to pay for them. For example, let's say you're in uh, a house and you've got three roommates. And you, there's no point for each of you to have a Netflix account. Go in together on one account that it's still going to be, even if you get an account that allows four people, that's what, $13.99 a month uh, at this at this point in time, uh, that's still cheaper than each one of you paying 10 bucks a month, right? And you can take turns, you know, each one of you pays it one, one month. The point is there are lots of creative things you can do to uh, spend money wisely. Learn to cook. Learn to cook. This is a life skill. This will save you because one of the things that Americans spend too much money on generally is eating out. In fact, in the D.C. metropolitan area where I am, the average person eats four to five meals a day, and four of those are takeout, pre-prepared food from a grocery store, or eating out at a restaurant. Cooking has ceased to be a life skill, and it's become a hobby. That's absurd. You'd do better with something like Blue Apron. You know, and and just getting some of that help at home. And we'll have an app that'll help you get started on cooking here at the end of the show. This is good stuff. Um, Learn how to buy quality at a discount. I'm a big fan of this. I don't believe that you have to pay full price, but I also don't believe that you have to settle for poor quality just because you don't have a lot of money. There are, the economy is huge. And there are lots of little nooks and crannies where you can get high quality stuff at inexpensively. For example, one of my favorite things to do, um, I'm a large guy. I'm six foot four, a couple hundred pounds, and I'm very long waisted. So it's very hard for me to find shirts that fit. Well, I can go to Nordstrom Rack and get them for half price because the Nordstrom brothers are built just like I am. And so shirts from Nordstrom are three to four inches longer in the waist than other dress shirts. So I know that that's something I might want to think about doing. But I often find great clothing buys at thrift stores. And uh, there are people who have shopping addictions. There are people who buy things, they never wear them, and they end up donating them. And so it's, I, I can't tell you how many really fantastic top brandings. I'm talking about like Dunhill shirts and, you know, Carhartt. Uh, jackets and things, just fantastic brands with the tag still on them, completely unused, that I found for pennies on the dollar at thrift stores. Um, That is something 
Boy, if you can become a master or a mistress of the thrift store, if you can if you can learn that, how to do that, um, that will serve you. That's, again, a life skill. Finding those bargains is a life skill that will serve you for, for decades to come. And, of course, enjoy what you have. You know, we are bombarded with images. We are bombarded in this culture with messages to be dissatisfied, to always have the latest hot thing, to always have the newest thing, to always have the most expensive thing. We need, you know, stop watching TV, <laughs> filter those commercials out, filter out those ads and realize it's okay to have the same clothes for a couple of years. It's okay to have, you know, one or two decent pens and not have to buy a new one or one nice watch and you don't have to have five or six. So think about that. Think about what you really need and enjoy what you have. Enjoy it until it wears out. So we've talked about savings. We've talked about planning your spending. And we talked about spending wisely. Always ask the question, what's the best way for me to, to get this thing? Do I have to buy it? Can I make it? Can I trade for it? Can I find it used? Can I find it at a thrift store? Um, go back and listen to some of those episodes where we talk about this. There's an episode called Popcorn Cars uh, and um, Money. And it's about spending. And it talks about this continuum with time on one end and money on the other and how you decide how to spend. We've talked about giving to charity. And uh, uh, one of the things you want to do is also start investing now. And uh, this is going to be the final tip. Start investing now. You know, for as little as, in some cases, $25 a month, but $100 a month, you can start a mutual fund account. And you can start investing at a time. Because the earlier you start, the longer that money has to compound. The the earlier you can retire, the earlier, the faster you put your money work to work for you, the faster you can quit working for your money. It's as simple as that. I had a friend who's an accountant and he was very responsible and he started investing when he was in high school. I think actually junior high, I think he had his parents sign for him on the account, but he started investing regularly. And by the time he was out of college, he was able to buy a house. It was unbelievable. It was absolutely unbelievable. Now that's an exception. Very few of us are that disciplined that early. But my point is that it's possible. That it's possible. And so that's the encouragement I give to you, that none of the things that I just talked about cost a lot of money, do they? No, they just take a little discipline and time and learning and listen to the podcast until the book comes out. And uh, we will definitely have some great ideas for you uh, in that as well. When we come back, we're going to have uh, four or five apps that are going to be very helpful for anyone who's just starting out or maybe even starting over. I'm Eric Henning. This is The Financial Wizard with Eric Henning. Welcome back. Well, we promised you a bunch of apps to help you get started on your financial path. And here we're going to deliver Um these are kind of fun to use. They're easy to use. They're designed for beginners, and they are very popular. Uh, one of our favorites, uh, Level Money, is sadly no longer with us. It was acquired by Capital One and discontinued in September 2017. So we're going to replace that with uh, Good Budget, formerly EEBA. Good Budget. Basically, it gives you a budget tracker on your phone, your smartphone. It... Um, has a proven system with easy to use software, and it'll help you spend properly, save, and uh, give away 
money. It'll help you organize all of that. It's a great tool for organizing the 801010 system that we talked about before. And that's available for Android and um, iOS, uh, both of them, as well as there's a website and you can go to goodbudget.com. Again, we're going to have links in the show notes. Uh, the second one that I like a lot is Digit. And this is a way to save money without thinking about it. It links to your bank account and it tracks your spending and it automatically puts money aside uh, in small amounts. Kind of like back in the days, your grandparents may have told you about this thing called cash that we used to use. Back in the days when people used cash, you might come home at the end of a day with a pocket full of coins of various denominations and you put them in the jar. You put them in the change jar. And then when the jar got full, you'd You'd, you'd sit around and roll them up and take them to the bank. Or now you can dump them in a machine that'll take a percentage of the money out and it'll um, sort them out for you. The point is that it was kind of the equivalent of gathering up the crumbs uh, from a dessert to make something else out of it or gathering up breadcrumbs to make stuffing for the turkey, whatever. The point is you're taking the fragments and doing something with it. And Digit does just that. It takes kind of the little fragments of what you didn't spend and socks it away in savings without you even thinking about it so that uh, it starts to build that savings habit. Uh, a third uh, app that we really like is um, SideChef. SideChef is an app for helping you how learn how to cook. And it's got all kinds of easy video tutorials. Um, it'll help you build shopping lists. It'll even set timers while you're cooking. Super easy to use. Again, available on in the App Store and Google Play, as all of these are. Uh, again, uh, boy, if there's one life skill I can recommend to you, besides learning how to unclog a toilet, I would say learn how to cook. You will be not only saving money, you'll be the envy of your friends, and you'll be a great catch. Um, now, you're probably going to, you will be going out every once in a while and hanging out with friends. And usually at the end of that meal or at the end of that time, uh, there's a time when you settle up. You, you square up. You say, okay, who, who owes what? And you may not have cash sitting around. So what do you do? You send each other money. You can do it with Apple Pay. But there's a wonderful app put out by the same people who helped millions of small businesses and casual sellers on eBay learn how to take credit cards square. And it's uh, the Cash app, Square Cash. And not only that, but they've added some features where you can actually get discounts at coffee shops and other places for using the app. So I recommend that to you. It's the Cash app. Again, cash.app. We're going to have a link in the show notes. And finally, the last one here is a fun one. We've talked about budgeting, which sounds like a chore. We've talked about saving. We've talked about learning how to cook, which can really be a lot of fun and very relaxing. But let's talk about when you go out, you don't have to necessarily go to the place that has the $12 local craft beer. I mean, if that's your thing, that's great. But sometimes you just want the $2 PBR. Am I right? Well, there's an app called Price Per Pint. Price Per Pint that will tell you where your favorite beers are the cheapest in your local area. They've got information on more than 50 cities. And again, it's a terrific idea. It's again available in the App Store and Google Play. And we will have that information as well in the show notes. Anyway, here's some things to get you started. I didn't want to give you ideas without giving you some practical steps to take right out of the box. So pick one of these apps and go to work and start working on it. Have some fun. Make a game out of it. The best thing you can do is realize that, look, 
money, you can't take it with you. We're not going to, you know, nobody went to the cemetery pulling a U-Haul. Okay. So use it while you have it. Use it for fun. Use it for your family. Use it for yourself. Use it for good purposes. And realize that money is just a tool. It's a tool. It's like your automobile or your pen or your smartphone or a light bulb. It's a tool that's designed to do specific jobs. Just learn how to use it. Learn how to master it. And you will be happier and you will have a much, much better life. So thanks for listening. I'm Eric Henning. Remember, take care of your money and your money will take care of you. This presentation by Eric Henning is purely educational. Nothing in this presentation should be construed as giving specific or individual legal, tax, or investment advice. You should make major financial decisions only after consulting with competent professionals licensed in your place of residence. While we can't give individual financial advice, we'd love to answer your questions. Please send your money questions to us at eric at thefinancialwizard.com. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, review it, and tell your friends.